everyone. Welcome to Schofield's Flowers Podcast, Episode 18. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Steve Schofield here from Schofield's Flowers. As you know, they call me Sco. And I'm Chris Fraterigo. People call me Fratty. How you doing, buddy? I just got back from Chicago. I'm good, Scope. I saw. I've been uh, following along on the socials. Uh, definitely, definitely jealous. As I said, I think before in another episode, uh, would would love to get out to some of those tiki bars in there. I'm not sure if you got to any of them, but it looked like you were busy. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't get to the tiki, but I have to tell you, it was fantastic being in Chicago for the the launch of the Chicago Seven and doing the art installation for them for Netflix and Circus advertising i mean i couldn't i can't be uh, i'm just so proud of the team and everything we did and uh but i mean chicago was open uh, yeah. the restaurants were open everybody was very COVID safe everybody had their mask on everybody had we walked into the place and, and and the ubers everything you had to be totally prepared to wear that mask and then you go in and then when they sit you then and after the server comes they say once you start getting served drinks and that then you can take it off and you give your menu so they were really fantastic. I went to watch a Bears game in, in a bar nice. called The Collar. It was fantastic. And, yeah, so it was just felt great to be in the city. And there's a, uh, a big game uh, this Monday night, to, I guess tonight, Bears-Rams, Monday night football. Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. well, shit, now I don't know who to vote for. No, my kids will kill me if they see <laughs> It's got to be the Bears, uh, you know? Yeah, you know, yeah. I you got to always go with your, your you know, your first love and then, you know, secondarily, you know, your adopted team kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I've always been, although the only one team I'm, I, I, I love the Blackhawks, but I've always been a, a, I love, I was a Boston Bruin fan as a kid because Bobby Orr was my idol. Oh, wow. And, um, and then I've been, a, I've been under 30 years, so the LA Kings have been my team out here. Yeah. Two chance, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs and tons of like five years of games and tickets and everything else. So it's just, I mean, nice that's, yeah, and that's my dad. I mean, he's from, you know, the Bronx. So he's a, a Yankees fan, you know, from childhood. But I mean, he's been out in, in California for, I don't know, 40, 50 years himself. So it's like he's, he's more a uh, Angels fan, you know, than I'd probably say uh, a Yankees fan. But you know, I think it's like he reverts back to Yankees fan, you know, like you, you always still have that that passion yep. for for them, even though, you know, you're not following along as much because you can't see all the games, but you get the local games. So, you know, that team a little bit more. But, uh, you know, he's he's always still a Yankees fan. Well, I think we went through a good ride with uh, the Blackhawks and the Kings. They won like they were in the playoffs like three, four, five years in a row. They, yeah, that was like the Kings five five like, cups yeah. in six years between the two teams yeah yeah and then you got the, and then the cubs won a couple years ago now we got our yep. dodgers going here Ugh. so oh, yeah i know <laughs> you yeah you know i forgot so yeah, they but, lost uh, last night but yeah hopefully they'll get going we got thursday night football it's crazy yeah but uh speaking of chicago we got uh the number one partier from chicago the one and only scotty brown downtown scotty brown's gonna be yeah. in the house that, yeah. that was a, a a great interview and a, a good time. Um, great stories. I mean, oh I God. once you told me we we had him on, I just was like Googling, you know, learning his history and all that. And uh, obviously he'll talk about it on here. But I mean, that's just, that is a crazy life he was once part of, but it's even better to hear, you know, kind of that redemption of, um, you know, his sobriety and, and what he's doing now. 
yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, he's doing good things for good people. And that's, that's the key. But, uh, and I won't even go there because I just, I want everybody to actually. As I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> yes. And uh, I would like to thank uh, Cheetos today because I've been eating them on the show and, and I love them. <laughs> and also, as I'm doing the show, I'm eating Reese's. So, I mean, oh, man. To reach out to them because these are, the, this is what I call God's food. <laughs> <laughs> That that's uh that's why you uh I think you're telling me before you could never get up on a surfboard because you had a belly. Well, I think that's uh yeah. those are surfboard killers. And maybe these uh these briefs here by elegant moments, you know, that you'll be wearing <laughs> when we go. So we got to hit them up. But <laughs> oh my gosh! But let's uh yeah all right people you're gonna hear Scotty Brown enjoy it. It's uh, a fantastic stories. You'll all have a kick, and I'm sure you'll be laughing if you're sitting in the car driving. Hey everyone, it's Steve Schofield here from Schofield's Flowers. As you know, they call me Scof. And I'm Chris Frederigo. People call me Freddy. And uh, Freddy, I couldn't be, uh, be more excited to have a, a, a good friend back in the day from Chicago. We hadn't seen each other in a long time. Bumped into each other at a Triumph motorcycle get together at the Ace Hotel. Today we got downtown Scotty Brown in the Woo! house. In the house. <laughs> <laughs> With you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably our best intro for anybody, right? It really is. It really is. <laughs> we got to go. Thanks, man. <laughs> it's been fun. It's the summer of Costanza. We're out. <laughs> so, so, Freddie, I got to tell you, you know, I was at this get together at the Ace Hotel and I saw this guy and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And we get talking. And I was like, yeah, downtown Scotty Brown. I'm like, I'm Steve Scofield. Scope? No, back and forth. And next thing you know, it's like, oh my God, I haven't seen you. And I don't. I haven't seen you in uh, I am at the uh, Tempo restaurant. Oh, my hangout. <laughs> well, I ran my business out of there. <laughs> had some nice payphones in the back there. Yeah. <laughs> I would just sit in the back table by the payphones and wait for them to ring. Yeah. <laughs> you can only imagine it was always snowing outside in Chicago, especially in the Tempo. You know what I mean? Sounds like it was but, snowing inside, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, I had some crazy whoa, time there. so yeah you know so of course it's four o'clock in the morning you still want to stay out and go to some uh, uh some after party <laughs> and of course we're in our you know our 20s and 30s and you know things are ripping large and we're going to crowbar you know and then outtakes remember outtakes and oh uh, yeah my buddy you know, all these Kenny. different all these different great pubs and clubs and just the best time to grow up it really in the in in during that time and uh so i mean uh i mean i'll let you i mean i know you were you were you know we're, we're all about mobsters on this show we always like to talk about true crime and you were living it buddy so i mean i'd love to have you go over like your past and everything and just give you know shock give the wood well like it's a great story and he's had a a scripts and movies and you know talk about them and made about them and so yeah go ahead scotty well, you know, it's a it's a lot to talk about, but I guess <laughs> just whisper. I'll listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, it was pretty. You know, my parents were getting a divorce, and I wanted out of reality, and I discovered marijuana, and uh, thought I was about fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, and thought, wow, nobody else can get this. If I get it, I'll be able mm -hmm. to sell it to my friends. I bought my first bag and split it up and sold it. And uh, I was at Addison Trail High School, you know, and 
started a lot of guys on the stuff there and yeah. ended up quitting school to, to sell the drugs. I was making a lot of money, but I started Bussy Woods was a place where it was like a drug supermarket. So I just set up a stand. You know, I had a sign and everything. I'd open up whatever I had that day. I'd make it up, you know, Panama Red, whatever it was. And uh, one day a guy came up to me. He's like, kid, you need more? And I go, of course. He goes, okay, follow me. And I go to his house, and it's a safe house for, uh, you know, uh, a guy named, like, Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Jeez. Really, it was Carlos later, who was – Carlos was a great guy, but he was Pablo's best friend. And um, they had about, you know, a ton of weed in there. I walked in. The first thing I saw was a cheap trip poster, which was cool because I guess that was about 77 or something. They had just come out, and I was more of a punk rock guy getting into the pistols and, and cheap that's trick and stuff. And I was you, like, were hanging oh, at, cool. you were hanging at the exit with Kenny and uh, – Yeah, and, exit yeah. actually wasn't even open yet. Wow. I was going to O'Banion, speaking of uh, – <laughs> O'Banion's was the joint. Great bar. It was the first – what's that? It was a great bar, O'Banion's. It was, it was the best. Show. It was the best. That's why I moved to Chicago. I could never drive home from that bar, so I had to get an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the craziest oh, yeah. place I'd ever been in my life. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, so I went into that house, and they had, like, they had a bowl of Colombian gold, and it was kind of rare to even see that back then. Just sitting there, like, and I went in the basement, and they had, like, 50 bales of Colombian. <sighs> there you go. So that was a nice, a nice uh, introduction there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And how long did that last? Ten uh well I did it for like ten years. From eight from seventy four to eighty four. And then, then and then you wound up buying that condo downtown and then that I bought, up, yeah, when I nineteen seventy nine, I was nineteen. And it came and with I a nickname? <laughs> yeah, I got my nickname there. I bought the condo. <laughs> Twenty one East Chestnut, right on the same street as Temple. Temple yeah. <laughs> Where Temple was, is actually all strip clubs right there. So Temple yeah. was a strip club at one time. And I remember when they built it, and I just moved in, and you could sit up on the, on the stage there. You know, there was a little stage. And we'd yeah. sit up there, and I'd see Tony Spilatro and his buddies come in, and they would sit there late night in the corner, and I'd have my corner. And uh, Stelios was the chef. His dad owned it. And uh, he had to work nights. He was always like, man, you, you bring in the hotties, dude. He was like. I felt bad. He was kind of envious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was some, what was the bar? I lived at 10 East Ontario. Place. Oh yeah. I mean, Kenny lived there. Kenny I remember was, when they built it. Yeah. So Kenny, I go downstairs and have a, you know, chat with him and say, put my name at the door. And I see him all the time. The guy was Mr. Brickenstein. Yeah. You know, him and, him and Cal. So I became really good friends with them. They were great guys because we had the best pool. On the 14th Oh, yeah, floor. you did. It was insane, Freddy, this place. I'm overlooking the entire city, balcony. I mean, it was just fantastic. I had the best time there. We had a, uh, like a, it was like a, it was a one bedroom, but it wasn't. It was like a, uh, you know, a smaller one. A, uh, what do you call them? A studio? Studio, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but it had the, but it had these blind, these blinds that you could pull and close it and everything. And then we had a, a, a couch bed and it was great and I used to love that place so I can remember we had with uh, Schofield we had it was Schofield Trembeth and our tagline was who are these guys because Rich Trembeth was like literally 
six four and I'm five seven. He's got this long hair. He always wears these long coats, and I wear something black. We're always in black. And his daughter drew our cards, and it was two like cable. Michigan Avenue, and people loved our t-shirts. I mean, loved them, right? So we had a huge party. We were doing really well, just finished off shooting tons of big campaigns. And I expected like, I don't know, maybe 80 to 100, like 600 people showed up. And I mean, the next morning, I was ordering fucking, my partner's walking around, Rich is walking around with a headband, like a samurai sword headband, like with a ninja robe and his bathing suit. And he's just having a good old time. He always drink these cocktails, his martinis and smoke a cigarette like this. And I'm running around ordering fucking pizzas and getting anything I can get. Was Give me I? more liquor. Give me this, <laughs> I was you know. Yeah. I wasn't cool enough to go to those pool parties yet. <laughs> You know, I only knew you at 4 a.m. <laughs> we had a nice pool at 21 East Chestnut, though. I had the key to get in all night long. Oh, that's, that's yeah. sweet. That's yeah, sweet. Too. Oh, I, mean, nice. I mean, you really, you were in the, I mean, you were in the mob back then. Or you were working on your own, but you had the Yeah, yeah. Time. You know, we didn't think of it. We just thought it as good businessmen. But, uh, you know, I grew up with those guys, some of them. And, like, and uh, it just, they fell into it. And luckily, I was such a good salesman and kind of really into that whole, I would study it, read High Times Magazine and travel to <laughs> Jamaica and whatever, you know. Every vacation I took, it was for that reason, Miami. Miami was crazy and dangerous back then. But it was, it was the wild west. It was, it was just so wild back then. You could literally see people chasing people up and down the street in Coconut Grove, you know, with deals gone bad. But I would go down there just to try to do things, but it was like stupid because I could never get a better deal than the one I had in Chicago because those guys, I don't know how they did it, but they brought a ton every month and, and my buddy lived in the house and he just called me, he's coming in and boom, I'd show up and go through all the bales and take the best ones. But, but like I said, I, I do just like to go down to Florida because it was so crazy and exciting to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, travel the islands down there and, yeah. but it really wasn't worth the hassle to do it. Did you ever by any chance meet, I'm working on a project right now with um, Georgette uh, Angelos and it's, uh, she owns the rights to George Jung. You remember oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, he was uh, portrayed by Johnny Depp in the movie Blow. Yeah. So she just shot a five uh, series, uh, docu-series and he's in his 70s I think he's like 72 or three and uh, it's pretty good I mean he meets up with the tuna who is his running mate mm -hmm. and uh, 45 years later and uh, it's it's crazy so um, yeah so they're in the midst we've been trying to bring it over to several different places right now like Lionsgate a number of different places so um, I was just wondering if you ever met him because that's that's no, I didn't, and I didn't like to meet a lot of people to be honest with you because you want right. to keep it a secret, right? Yeah, but I was very fortunate to be able to. I had my one guy who was hooked up with the blacks, right? Right, I'd meet him on Austin Avenue over there, and his name was Rich. Oh, anyway, I shouldn't even say name, but um. <laughs> He's, he worked at the post office but he, at one time, but then he became very big because of me. And, uh, but he would take care of the gangster disciples and all those guys, right? And then 
Then I had the Hells Angels biker guys for a while till they got mad at me. <laughs> and um, they didn't luckily, they, didn't I, tie, they didn't tie you to two legs to a motorcycle and split you apart. No, no, thank God. I was too young. I think the, <laughs> my girlfriend in high school was dating one of them, so I started supplying them, and they got mad at. Uh, the weed was kind of moist, and they said I owed them money. I said, "Fuck, that's how I got it, right?" Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so you know, I got I had all these different connections, which was good for me. Uh, yeah. So. Well, well, those were the times. The '80s were rock and roll. They were fun. It wasn't <laughs> a lot of competition, you know. Like now, everybody's doing that shit, right? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even know. Where, I wouldn't even know where to get anything, and I don't want to ever see it again, you know. I mean, I like smoking a little. I smoke some weed. I like that, but I've even weed down. was my thing. I, I I got into the others, the white stuff for a little bit. Was always so many problems involved with it, with that I, people and the way they became. Yeah, you know, it was just as I said, I don't want to do it, because I didn't yep. like it. Yeah, I would do it once in a while and be like, oh, you know, you'd be doing it like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it didn't vibe good with me, but I couldn't <laughs> stop doing it once I started. Yeah. It. All my guys were getting into it, and it was a lot easier to transport, obviously, a lot smaller. But I just never felt good about it, and I was mainly a weed guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was uh, the, what was your transition for leaving um, Chicago and then busting out to coming to uh, Los Angeles? Well, I actually had a – I came to L.A. in probably 1981 to look around, and um, – it just wasn't happening to me. The whiskey was going on in the rainbow, and that was like it. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I went up to San Francisco, which was much more of a city vibe, like Chicago, right? Right. With better clubs, really, the I-beam and stuff. And so I decided to move to San Francisco, and get. And the drug scene was bigger there, too. Hate Nashbury was still going, but more punk rock. And, and then I started going up to Humboldt County and Mendocino County and getting my own personal weed up there and going to the farms. You know, I'm, I'm the city boy in the Mercedes convertible driving up to the farms, you know, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then they were, they were selling this Coke there that me and my buddy, you know, we promised each other we wouldn't do it. And then I ended up doing it like, and then I'd overdo it. And I pray to God, bring me down, never let me do it again. I'll never do it again. And then, that happened three times in one month. I go, I know I said that last week, but I praise God, let me live. And, and it was, I'm like, this is some weird Coke. And it was really was crank or meth, you know? Oh. And they were selling it as Coke. So with me, wow. when I did that, I really hit a bottom fast. I called the expressway to the program. So I'm on my knees praying to God, had this weird out of body, like, I'm powerless. I know I said I wouldn't do it last week, and here I am doing this shit again, praying to God to bring me down. I'm having like a, toxic shock and i yeah. almost died and just had a moment of clarity like i don't want to die feeling so spiritually bankrupt and what i've been promoting now for 10 years is killing me so i, I felt a lot of guilt and shame you know yeah well i mean and and, and you know what I, I get it too right i mean bottom i have a friend that i ride motorcycles with you've met john over at long gray here he taught me how to ride my motorcycle and he he um literally with the fridge and and he literally was uh got he was married and had kids and then he got hooked on crack and oh my god the end, and it was at a party he thought he was smoking some weed and it turned out to be crack and he got addicted and the next thing you know he's like 
his kids. It's just a terrible story. I could go on for days, but you know, they came out of it and he's fine and he's been sober now for 20 years. And wow. I mean, how many, yeah, he's, how many very and very, he's very lucky. He said his worst moment was literally when he was living with his crack whore girlfriend downtown and didn't even know where his wife was and, you know, lived at, living in a box in downtown. It was raining. And he had a dog and she sort of had the dog and the box got collapsed and it was raining on him. And he said he smacked her and said, what are you doing, you stupid, you know, whatever. And then next thing you know, she's left him. And he says, I, I, how much lower could I get? I was living in a box. I don't even know. making me horny talking about that story. <laughs> <laughs> we like that insanity. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get you a box and we'll get you a dog. <laughs> the crack There's nothing like it. Yeah, yeah, right. And a crazy crack whore. You got to have that. <laughs> Assuming you run all over town looking for that. <laughs> That's great. You know, oh. so he just, you know, James, right? And then he just, he, he couldn't get in. You know what he said is the Salvation Army saved his life. Yeah, I got a lot of friends. You know, some, some of them have to go to that level. Me, I had a ton of cash. And right. it was weird, right? I didn't, I didn't get busted, none of that. I had loads and loads of money. And, um, but I knew the money and all that wasn't making me happy. And I prayed to God, I'm like, I'll work at freaking McDonald's if you give me serenity right now. Because right. it's not easy to get out of the mob. Because I know I didn't like guys leaving. And when they wanted, when something happened to them or they wanted to leave, we'd be around at a fancy restaurant. Like, be nice if he wasn't around. Cheers. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. With the Dom. And, uh, and I knew they were talking, like, about me like that because I wanted, I wanted out, you know? Right. Right. And it was really, really scary. And, you know, it was, it was, it's a crazy story. But I, I, I thought I had to save the world because now I'm being redeemed. I'm, I have all the answers and I basically had a nervous breakdown and, you know, told my parents the devil's that my parents worked for me too. And uh, they did. Wow. My mom stored it at her house and my dad laundered the money and through his business. And then, uh, so they were freaking out, you know? Sure. Scotty, what point did you uh, get into music? I know you, you had a club yeah, and I got in my whole life. Okay. I always loved it. So that was my thing. What my front was kind of being a music video producer. And when video came out, I was way into it in like 78. And I would videotape all the local punk bands, the effigies and Naked Raygun and stuff like that. And ministry. And then, uh, so I was really in the music. And I, when I had these parties, one of the things we lived by a farm in Addison and uh, I, th I would throw these big bashes with bands and have like a reefer raffle, right? <laughs> I remember like my third party, the helicopters were coming. There were so many people showing up. They hear about a, some kid throwing a party having reefer raffles going on. Because when you paid to get in, you, you got a little ticket. But I would have these local bands and I would sneak in the clubs. You know, Beginnings was a club in Schomburg and it was oh, awesome. Yeah. I remember being at a head shop yeah. uh, in Addison called Bogarts and I the guy would play music and sell records there too. And I hear his song. I'm like, man, that's, that's a good, cool tune. Who is that? He goes, Oh, it's the police. The record just came out today. Right. I'm here in Roxanne. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. And I'm driving home and I hear on the radio, the police for $1 at uh, beginnings Monday nights was $1 to get in. I drove straight yeah. to beginnings because I was 19. The law was the age was 19, 19 back then. Yep. And I went, went in for a dollar Monday dollar, saw the police and, 
and then beginnings became my hangout because they had. Oh, that was great. Place. My wife and I would. My wife's from Hanover Park. Great, yeah. And all her buddies, she went to Schaumburg High. Really? So, or she went. She went to Schaumburg. She goes Schaumburg or Conant. She went to Conant, but you know, it was a mixture of Schaumburg Conant kids and all her Dougie Olson, who I played hockey with with the minor Hawks in Chicago and Lake Forest College. I mean, he uh, Dougie and Mark Chichini, who later became the president of Conant Belding downtown Chicago. Um, they they. They introduced me and my wife, and we'd go to, we would definitely go to uh, beginnings all the time. Great bands. We would yeah. see, we, Freddie, we would see Sticks there. I mean, yeah, I mean, hoops, all the Chicago bands. Oh, my Sticks. God, Iggy Pop, B-52s, yeah. the Pretenders, yeah. um, the Special. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like what you're doing. I mean, you tell, well, you, yeah. did you tell them that you work for Live Nation? And like, did they get what about their one room gets how many people in there? Yeah, yeah, we were talking a lot about a little bit. Um, I work at the Observatory, which is like a small club in Orange County. It used to be the Galaxy way back in, and then it was the Observatory, and then Live Nation took it over uh, more recently. Um, but it's got two rooms. The main room's like a thousand people, and then we got a small room that holds up to like 300 people. But we'll get a, we get a lot of like undercards that will come through, and they just want they want an intimate setting. So they'll play the three hundred person room, but it'll be like uh, a side project of a big band. We had uh, Mark Hoppus's side band from Blink One Eighty Two, um, Simple Creatures, come through last fall, and you know he's playing to a thousand people. Here he is, probably one of the biggest you know, punk stars uh, of this era, you know. Well, you uh, look, you got Live Nation helping you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's probably what got, you know, it was Yeah. Tough. I own the Avalon nightclub, and it was the same thing, three rooms. Did you own the Avalon? Huh? I own the Avalon in Belmont, yeah. Oh, my God. The Avalon was one of the best nightclubs to go see music at, Braddy. Yeah. How many people did that hold? Well, the main room held about 500. Then I made a dance room that mm -hmm. held held about a hundred or so and then a cabaret room in the back which was more intimate and that's where the smashing pumpkins i saw the smashing yeah. pumpkins there yeah yeah i used to have them on every halloween i'd have them play <laughs> that's know? awesome it's funny they started in the back room with a drum machine and then billy corgan met uh darcy at my club during a concert the dan reed network he was from canada um they met there and then i booked all his first shows and so that was a cool thing we had to bring the bands up because i had to compete with jam which in live nation yeah wasn't then going on much then but you know it was hard to get the really good acts like you're talking about chris yeah it's really you know, cool though even still like our our venue is really known for being like up and coming artists like I mean, a, a lot of it now is, is hip hop based. So are they na but, they're national acts though, right? Uh, they will do. We 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 have both. We'll have national tours, but then we'll have um just our own talent booker that books tours too. So they may come to us, but they won't go to the other Live Nation venues exclusively. Um, but we'll like I was looking back, like even just four years ago, people that are headlining Coachella we're having we're opening or or headlining at our venue and then they just quickly blew yeah. up and I, and everything so I it's really get, exciting I got a couple of pilots yeah wow and then I managed Scott Weiland for a while you know but yeah it's just it's cool to see like 
that's what I always tell people when, when I'm talking to them about coming out. It's like, you may not know who the, the people are, but come out, check it out. And, you know, if you like the music, we have a ton, like we're known for like underground hip hop and like old school punk bands. So like, wow. um, bad religion will play two nights there. Lag wagon had two nights there. Um, and before all, all the COVID stuff, I mean, our fall lineup was going to be like no effects doing, uh, their punk and drublick. It was going to be AFI. It was going to be, um, uh, That's me first in the gimme gimme. So just like all these old school punk fans. And then it was going to be mixed in with like underground hip hop guys. You know, we call them SoundCloud rappers, but like in two, three years, they're going to be, you know, all over the radio. And yeah, that's really, what I used to say about the pumpkins. I had a feeling they were going to be good. And, and it's just really cool because you, you get to see, like, I grew up listening to punk rock, and I used to go to a venue, and it's still around, but I'd go to Chain Reaction in Anaheim, and it was, like, a 100-person room. And so I would go and see these bands, and then eventually they would tour with bigger acts and bigger acts and bigger acts, and now some of those bands are headlining at our venue you know, here we are, you know, 10, 20 years later. So I get to go see them. But, you know, for those that grew up on it, they were probably kids and they're paying, you know, pocket change to try to get in. And now we have them at our venue and they're adults and they're like, perfect. I can come and see some bands and, and enjoy it. Yeah, I'd like to see the room. It sounds similar to my situation. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Freddie, you can even pull it up, can't you? There was a yeah, I can I can show. It, it, there it's was a awesome. small club in San Diego. Everybody used to play, and the stage was only like a foot high. And I drove from L.A. to San Diego with Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols, and they did a show there with uh, John Taylor from Duran Duran was playing bass, Matt Sorum from uh, Guns N' Roses was on drums, and Duff McKagan was on bass from Guns N' Roses, and Billy Idol sang. And it was wow. like the best show I'd ever seen because literally the stage is like a foot and a half high and you're right, right. Next, I remember pushing Billy Idol back on the stage, you know, when <laughs> it was like, it was like you're at the 100 club in London back in the day. It was so freaking Yeah, you know, Billy Idol. Thus, right? So his kid played baseball in the, in the Sherman Oaks literally. So nice. Billy sang the national anthem for the opening of the Little League tur tournaments. <laughs> and, all, and he's in all black with the bleach blonde hair and a scarf around him. All the moms came all sexed up. <laughs> I love like, Billy Idol, man. Oh, I, ride, I ride motorcycles Idol. with him. We yeah, were in Hellfire Canyon Club. Doesn't Steve ride motorcycle, yeah. Jones? We all yeah, had the Hellfire Canyon Club then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've ridden with Steve. He's a really good guy. I like him a lot. And then... Uh, you know, so Stewart, I saw, I was sitting at the, uh, I, 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 I was sitting at the um, Soho House, and right at the corner there at the, in North, in, uh, in West Hollywood, and all of a sudden, you know, they had this movie nights they have there, and all of a sudden, Rod Stewart walks up, and I go, he looks at me, he goes, hi, mate, how you doing? I go, I'm good. I said, matter of fact, you're the only guy I know that has more kids than me. <laughs> he laughs. He laughs. He goes, how many you got? I go, I got four. Yeah, I there used it is. to. I go, what is it? He goes, it's a boy. Another soccer player, because he loves soccer, right? He's I a know. huge soccer fan. He plays I used like to go to his house. He's got a yeah. soccer field at his house. Oh, wow. Park. 
I worked with his family for a long time. He was the only freaking guy that wouldn't pay me forever. It's like, dude, come on, you're rich. You can't pay me. I got to pay my rent over here. Yeah, yeah. And was that through Sobe? No, that was before Sobe. That was about five years ago. I worked with Ashley Hamilton a lot. And um, he was wanting to be a singer, too. And he was a fan of Scott Weiland. So they did this band together. And then I was working with him. And uh, I I partnered up with Arnold Stiefel, who managed Rod Stewart. And I managed Scott with Arnold Stiefel. So I was hooked into the whole Rod Stewart thing. And, uh, you know, I love Rod. Great. I didn't even know. I didn't, you know what? It's so good to talk because I mean, Freddie's way into music and run, you know, working with the Live Nation and everything. And, you know, I didn't even know the, your music history that much. I mean, I, I knew the past and I knew that you had moved out here and you, and you started Soba and then you also got into real estate yeah. also with Lux, right? Yeah. And then, and you've owned a lot of property and a lot of houses in, in the Malibu area, correct? Yeah, still do. And trying to sell the Soba property right now for eight million bucks, <laughs> but it's wow. right across from Nobu and Soho House wow. in Malibu. It's the best location in the world. Man, what a place! Jackie. What a place to get sober. You can get you know hang out and then go get some nice sushi and uh, see the beach. Yeah, <laughs> go to Soho House and uh, yeah, hang that's out. crazy. So uh, and then so like, I mean you're blessed in a way, you know, you've had a crazy life. You made it through. You said you were scared, you know, have people maybe chasing you, you, you know, you, you're thinking you're going to die because you're taking the wrong drug and everything. And, you know, you've had this crazy life in music and seen a lot of things, but helping people recover has got to be a wonderful feeling, right? It is. And it, you know, you got to give it away to keep it. We say, so I got, I want to keep it. It's by the grace of God that I got this thing. So, right. And I have this knowledge now of how to get yeah. it. Unfortunately, I tried it with Scott Weil and Chris Cornell, and they couldn't get it, you know, guys like that, where they're great, great guys, but it's hard to get, you know? I mean, and it's really hard on me when they don't get it. And I think I try everything with, with Scott. I lived with him practically for three years, and he just couldn't wow. get it. And I think, how can you not get it? Can't you see the, the peace of mind and the conscious contact with God I have, how things happen really cool, and I'm able to really like him. And he'd be on stage telling me, I just want to get off stage and go to the hood and cough, you know? I'd be like, right. man, I'd want to be on stage singing, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it was it was hard to watch. Yeah, blowing a, I mean, blowing a great deal like that. I mean, and, you know, yeah, that's that's terrible. It's, that's a shame. Because, I mean, I think it does take that. You know, I... um. Uh, my wife is, uh, I'm not a super religious person, but my, my wife's, I say we're Christians and my wife likes to go to church more than I do. And we go to this great church and, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the pastor, he's fantastic. And, you know, I, and so, yeah, I, 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 you know, sometimes you have these little like splits that are wide in the lanes, right? You got to go left or right. And I'm, I'm, a buddy of mine that I'm working with, well, you might even know Jonathan Scott. You know Jonathan yeah, Scott? Yeah, I do, in Vegas. Yeah. So Vegas. Jonathan, I'm working with Jonathan on a really cool project right now. I should, I, I should download you on that and everything. So he's running a studio there that he's taken over. And he started working with the D-League, you know, with the, the, the minor leagues to the end. 
So he started broadcasting with these kids and he brought them through the broadcast network there. And he's teaching kids in the league how to be a sports announcer. Wow, and, that's awesome. And it's he great. He was at my club many years ago, you know. When I <laughs> yeah. first opened it, he did show out of there. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. He's a great guy. And now these, he's booking all these comedy acts because he can do 100 people on screen and everything, which, Freddie, we got to go there and do our show from Vegas, you know, and, and that because it's really nice. And so with him, um, because of the schooling thing he was doing with teaching these kids and broadcast and everything with the D-League, Clark County got uh, heard about it, and it's the fifth largest county in, in the U.S. They've got 19,000, 6,000 of those students don't have Wi-Fi, computers, or anything. So, yeah, crazy, right? So how are they learning? So he's, uh, I jumped on board with him. Um, I, I don't know if you know Yarrow from the Super Dudes back in the day, but Yarrow, uh, he owns Hatch Experience. So we, I reached out to Hatch. He said, you know, I really don't know how to put this thing together. And I said, I, I think I can get somebody to help us out. And they work with foundations and they do a lot about save the world. It's really cool. And, uh, and they have these incubators that they do and everything. So they've given their, their, their foundation money raising guy and he's helping us write grants right now and everything. And then Jonathan brought up that he uh, had a, uh, he read about uh, T-Mobile and uh, giving away, they have a million dollars that they're donating to throughout the United States. And, and I was like, he said, do you know anybody? And I said, yeah, I know a coach hockey with a guy by the name of, uh, uh, Eric Berlin that played with Freddie and I was their coach in Long Beach for hockey because my son Stefan played for many years and so um, I wound up calling Eric and he said yeah I can turn you on to the to the lady that runs everything and so I just reached out to her last night so we're hoping to put a call together and see how we can get T-Mobile involved we have PBS is that a basketball thing you said that. basketball D-League well no the D-League is the D-League is the minor leagues for that's set in Vegas for the NBA so awesome. for the kids that yeah so the, for the kids that don't go to college can go to the minor leagues and play in this the D-League right and some might you know because you either go to the college route or you can go to the D-League route because they realized there were a lot of kids that probably you know I mean same with Stefan when he was playing you have two different sections you have junior a and it's like and then you have junior a that's uh you know in the western states hockey league and the uh and also the one in uh in the in the, in the toronto area which is called what is it called freddie i should know Jesus. the ohl the ohl thank you i'm just having another senior moment Wait, so kids would go there because they were pretty sure that they were going to go to the nhl so they didn't feel like they needed college but also they might not have been the best students you know so um, so when Clark County heard about Jonathan, then they invited him to the table and he brought some teachers on. And then that spiraled into parents, how to teach kids outside of the school. So we're bringing on musicians now from Vegas, comedians, you name it. We're bringing on artists to talk to these kids. And just to work with the kids and talk to the parents I'd love to about help you guys with that. You know, uh, basketball was my thing. I got so hooked in playing basketball because I was raised. My dad was a coach. And my brother was third in the nation when he was nine at wow. for McDonald's pass, dribble, and shoot contest. And my dad made us play like four hours a day, I swear to God. 
And um, so we both were really good, but I got into drugs and got out of it. When I got sober, one of the guys at Avalon's had a thing going down the street. So I started playing, me and my brother, and, you know, I got addicted to it. And I actually sold the Avalon so I could play basketball all the time. And I ended up getting to play with Michael Jordan a lot when he retired the first year. He would call me, they would call me at home and uh, tell me Michael's coming in or he'd call and put a game together at this sporting club down there in Chicago, you know? Yeah, what was, I I shot Michael Jordan's first campaign, dude, for, 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 uh, for Nike. I'm going to pull up a picture that's going that's to blow so cool. you away. Wait till you see this picture. It's hilarious. He used to come to the China Club a lot, too, back then when I ran it. <laughs> I used to go to the China Club. So I ran know, the VIP lounge. Look at that. Nice. <laughs> they got the Michael Michael had hair. Yeah. Right? I think the hair is better than the photo. Yeah. I remember him hair. coming to Limelight. Right you when know, he got signed. Right around that time. For any Chicagoan in the world, my life was one of the coolest bars ever. It was in this old, like, church. Historical center. It? it was a big... Oh, okay. Right. It was the Chicago who... Historical Center at one time. Yeah, yeah. And then who re... who was always at the door? Blonde-haired guy, New York. B.J. Murray. B.J. Murray. How's he doing? I heard he got, like, Lyme disease, but I heard he beat it, and he's okay. Yeah. he He's doing good. He met a nice lady who's friends yeah. of mine, and... They're yeah. doing good. They live in Barrington now. I think there is, he's in Illinois in Barrington? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was in uh, New York. I knew he, he was. was but we met her and moved in with her. And oh, uh, they're in Barrington right. or something. She she did well financially. And Russell Bernelli, who who was really the main doorman, yep. Yep. he's in Ojai now working for Steve Edelson, who if you yeah, go to uh, Vegas, you got to look <laughs> up um, – Big Daddy Carlos and those guys, they own a bit nice nightclub there where bands play. But um, Steve Edelson was the guy I opened my first club with way back in the day. But he owns a lot of clubs in Hollywood. And, oh, he owns restaurants. So Russell Bernelli's running his restaurant in Ojai called The Ranch House or something. You're kidding me. I can't wait. Wow. Because my buddy owns, I was just on the line with him, my buddy... Um, uh, from Hero Pictures is uh, Hero LA. He's a television producer and movie producer, and he's going to Ojai. Uh, and my buddy is Brad Stewart. You know Brad Stewart, who owns uh, Caravan Outpost in Ojai. No, like, but you guys should like, interview Russell. Russell'd be great too. That's how I got my start singing. Was at the limelight. Um, Jonathan uh, Scott interviewed me once. <laughs> Uh, at their anniversary, I told them that story. But that was crazy because Russell and BJ would do a thing. They call it Kool-Aid. That was when Farm Aid and all that Live Aid was going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kool-Aid. And they invited the Chicago celebrities, and they picked me as one of them because I was like the biggest nightclub promoter. But I was singing with the Chicago Bears guys because they just won the Super Bowl and shit and a couple other celebrities. But they're like, I'm like, I don't know. I never sang before. They're like, well, pick a song. Just do one song. You know, we're going to have a top-notch band, Tower of Power guys and shit. And I'm like, I never gave them a song, so they picked Sex Machine for me. You're singing Sex Machine by James Brown. I'm like, oh, shit. I don't even hardly know that song. So I start studying it, and I'm like, man, I can't even sing. I went to one rehearsal, couldn't even speak into the mic. And then I wrote it all down on a marker. I'm like, I'm just going to bring the lyrics up. So I write them in a bread marker, 
And I don't know if you remember at the limelight, they had a double ducker uh, London bus out in the back. And I'm up, yeah. I'm up yeah. back praying to God, please God help me. I hear him call my name. I told nobody about the show and there was a thousand people there. So I'm making my way through the crowd. I get up <laughs> on stage, I open my piece of paper and a red light is shining on it. And the words weren't there because I wrote it in red marker. I was like, oh shit. And the guys are like, one, two, three, hit it. And I'm like, oh, get up, uh, get on the scene. You know, like a sex machine, moving, grooving. So that was like, the words just seemed to come to me. It was crazy. And I got hooked on that high. And oh, that's I started crazy. the band. That's crazy. Well, you're making money then. So, you know, you had, you know, you could. Not that much. I was sober. When I wow. got sober, I made no money. <laughs> you got to be a criminal to make money in this world. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm not against them, but come on. They got laws for criminals. They're good. <laughs> so where are you living now? I think you just. I moved. just got a house in Palm Desert, and I'm in Camarillo. I have a house in Camarillo, and I'm at my new house now in Palm Desert, which nice. I love. You know, they, uh, do you ever go to Idlewild on that road, the 74? I, you know what? I haven't. I need to get out there. Way out. I know. That's one of I the know. best the best roads ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're going to be coming out that way. I told you. So Saturday night, I want you to come over and grab a beer or grab a sarsaparilla with us. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I'm used to that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're going to... You know where that's at? Uh, I, you broke up, but I'm, I'm assuming uh, Harriet's, uh, Poppy's and Harriet's or something? Yeah, yeah, by pa Pappy and Harriet's. In, in, uh, it's only 20 miles from, you know, probably where, well, I don't know how far it would be, but. Yeah, I've been wanting to go there. I haven't been there yet, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, so you should come out and join us for dinner. You know, we're going to have some, uh, there's going to be about six of us. We're leaving tomorrow morning for a motorcycle ride and, you know, just getting up that way. Are you riding the bikes up there? Yeah, yeah, we're riding uh, Triumphs up there. I'll try Well, you got to go up to Idlewild and come down that road to 74. It's called Pines to, uh, Palms to Pines Highway. Idlewild, all right. Yeah, so so when you're coming, you can get off the freeway, depending, you could either go through Hemet or get off that freeway and go through the mountains up to Idlewild, and then you come down. <coughs> it's an amazing ride. And you ride right past my house. What is it called? Palms to what? Palms, uh, Palms to Pines Highway. It's 74. Okay. All right. Because it starts in, you know, Palm Desert, where the palm, and it goes up to Idlewild is like, it snows up there and stuff. It's all like foresty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I heard it's beautiful. I can't believe it. Freddie, have you been to Idlewild? I haven't. I've heard a lot about it, too. Like, I heard it's like Big Bear, but like, like Big Bear, but if you were to picture like, you know, the quintessential, you know, you want the Christmas experience going down main street like this is where you go instead of big bear yeah it's very small it's not as touristy you know there's no big lake but it's got the cute little yeah center of town with the nice little delis or diner or whatever you know. i'd love to get up there i've been we're we're talking about trying to get a cabin for christmas whether big bear or you know elsewhere but we want to get up to some snow and get out of the city a little bit yeah, Wrightwood was cool too, but I think that's all burned up a little bit over there now. Where is that? Wrightwood off the um, Los Angeles Crest Highway. Uh, yeah, those fires were gnarly. 
Yeah, that's another reason I like being up here now. Brightwood is burned up? I know they evacuated it. I don't know if it got burned. Wow. That's crazy. I hope Newcomb's Ranch is okay. I, I, yeah, I don't know, man. That area is, yeah, I hope, you know, hopefully it will be. I mean, it's crazy, right? Yeah. Scotty, I'd love to hear uh, how you got into real estate and then into the, the show, Million Dollar Listing. Okay, so I was um, managing Scott Weiland, who had gotten busted several times. I got him out of it maybe 10 times, but I couldn't do it every time. <laughs> <laughs> so he got a nine-month nine prison sentence. And I'm like, shit, what am I going to do, right? So I was at an Academy Award party and I saw my buddy and I was like, hey, you know, I'm looking for a new gig. I knew he was a location manager. Mitchell Binder, I don't know if you know him, Steve. He owns King Baby. He's a motorcycle guy too. What's the name? What's his name? Mitchell Binder. I don't he owns know. King Baby, is a jewelry shop and he builds motorcycles too. They're really awesome. But so I go to Mitchell, I like, hey, he goes, Yeah, can you start in a week and you know, do locations? I go, all right, cool, you know. So I, I thought, I'll get out of the music business, which Wyland was wearing me out. And I was like, maybe this will be easier. I was like, holy shit, this is a lot harder. You got, you're working 15-hour days here. And, you know, I'm location. <laughs> I'm responsible for everything here. It seems like I make a mistake. It costs the company 500 grand. So, um, you know, but I did that for like five years. And, um, you know, it was hard. You know, I'm a teamster. That was so my connections got me in there pretty quick to be a teamster. And all my buddies run the Teamsters in Chicago that I grew up with, the Hogan's and all that, you know. But um, so I did that. And then I learned uh, L.A. really well, being a location manager. You know how it is. You got to you learn every damn neighborhood and who lives in it because I got a door knock to get permission. So my <laughs> wife, 20 years ago, she's like, I'm going to get into real estate. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I am, too. My family did it in Chicago and Vegas. And I've always thought about it, and I've been buying and selling real estate. So we took the test together, and we started right when the boom took off 20 years ago. And I had a bunch of big listings in Malibu, and they asked me if I wanted to be on this new TV show called Hot Listing, I think the name was then. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, and I was kind of nervous, but uh, they did it. And um, I didn't know it was going to be a big hit show. I'm on season one episode one you know <laughs> and i pulled my friends from the starbucks which was my office i would joke yeah starbucks over there on trancus is my office and uh i sold a bunch of homes of <laughs> he had busta rhymes hummer and we put that on the show and drove up and he bought he bought soba so he was the first guy on the show season one and we bought soba i got him into that business the rehab business that's the other reason I wanted to get into real estate was I wanted to do rehabs to help people. And people were, they were just starting to do it in Malibu. Promises had just opened up and I helped them do some, put people in there from the entertainment. That's fantastic, Jim. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like anything. If you're a writer, you write about your life. <laughs> so you knew, you knew what you went through. You knew how to get people sober you knew that real estate could open up a market for you to help out there and, and then uh, real estate took off so much i'm like fuck i'm just gonna stay in this <laughs> <laughs> and then my buddy who bought soba 
you know, I was partners in that business, uh, just a small partner, but I consulted them and helped them. And, and really what I liked was the clubhouse there where people could go for fun and for free to meetings every day. So we had that for like 15 years there. And that was, that was my putting back into the community and society. So I felt like it helped out. And he was a great person to run it, Greg Hanley. And, um, did I meet him on the beach? Did I meet him one time? We rode over there. He lives on the beach in Malibu. Yeah, you went to his house. Yeah, yeah, he's a good, good guy. I really liked him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. M Mitchell was with us, maybe. From King Baby, I think. No. God, definitely. Yeah, he was. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That's funny. I forgot about that. But yeah, he. Yeah. He's a big Vegas guy. You know, he manages boxers. So you guys should hook up uh, with him over there, too. Now he's on his 100-foot yacht every day. He lives on the yacht. Up. You broke hmm? up. What did you just say, though? You broke up. I said he, he's in Vegas a lot. He manages boxers there. He's a big gym. But he also has a 100-foot yacht that he's living on nowadays in Marina Del Rey. You should go check out that. Wow. What, who's that now again? Greg. Greg Hanley, who owns Soba. But he okay. was into the boxing thing. Back in the day, that's how he got into, literally me and him were having yogurt and Malibu yogurt, and he, I was <laughs> sponsoring him, and he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm selling my gym and property in Vegas. It was called Prince Branch Boxing. It was a huge property in Vegas. He had tigers on it and everything, and, and all the guys would train there, David Tua and, you know, um, Hector Macho Camacho and all those guys, Greg managed them too. And he's like, I'm selling the ranch because I'm sober now and I don't want to be around that stuff so much. And I want to move to Malibu. And I'm like, and we're having yogurt. And this lady, she comes up and says, you're buying my property and going to kick me out. She had a little hair salon in the thing. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not, I was going to buy it and do a rehab, but my finances fell, fell out, which was my father. So my dad had said, get one of your rich friends to do it. I don't want to be in L.A., you know. And so I'm like, a light bulb went off. You know, Greg's like, what's that all about? And I was going to buy this property. Matter of fact, you're selling the ranch. Why don't we, let me go show you this property. And boom, we <laughs> bought it that day. We wrote it up. You and I are the same cloth, man. We're connectors. Right? That's what we do. That's what we do. He made five million. I made, you know, a couple dollars. <laughs> 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 he's selling it for eight i got it for like 2.8 now he's selling it for eight. yeah writing it up off his right now it's just... i had a i had one time in my life i had a million dollars in the bank and i had right before i was buying my house i actually had nine hundred and eighty thousand. i had to ask my partner to lend me 20 grand he goes you just got a check for five hundred thousand dollars what are you fucking talking about we had a fucking insane year and he's and i'm like well dude i says i'm 980 grand if you give me 20 I'll give you, I'll give you 10% on it <laughs> tomorrow. You know, I just want to have this slip that says $1 million. Right. <laughs> it's the last million I've ever had. And I'm still trying to get there again. Oh, I, if I could make money that I made when I was 19, I, I would make $50,000 in one day sometimes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I would have it stuffed in my underwear. If you can believe that walking around rush street. Oh, I was okay. a big tipper back then, too. Here, take it. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, Jesus, I, I don't I, I, a year hardly now. 
I always thought you had big balls, but it was really the cash. It was the cash. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing there. The girls were surprised about I'll it. Turn like like this. Scotty, I'll turn like this. You and I will talk to you. So how you doing? You turn this way, Scott. No, turn your no, not the other way. No, don't talk to me. We're, we're how you doing? Everything uh, good. Hey, you've been, you've been good. How's Chicago treating you? <laughs> It's nice. It's nice. There's a bunch of testosterone there, but you know, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, right. I got to go back and get a hot dog. And some I got to get an Italian beef at Portillo's. There's another right? plug for my uh, buddy. Fucking best place ever. We get uh, Portillo's. Have you uh, been to Portillo's, Freddy? Yeah, yeah. They have one oh. in uh, Buena Park. Yeah. 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 My wife, we got a niece that lives out in Orange County. We go out there all the time. You, I mean, not all the time. It's like fucking driving. Across I was gonna say, if it's all the time, I feel gypped because I see you like <laughs> twice a year when you venture out of your castle of oh, L.A. It's just terrible traffic. I grew up with Mike Portillo. Was in my kindergarten class, so oh his mom God. used to bring us hot dogs for lunch every like once a couple times a year, right? And um, they had a literally the hot dog uh, place was a. It was it was on wheels and it was looked like a doghouse, right? On wheels, and he would sell the hot dogs out of the thing, and then you know they expanded Addison and all that, Jeez. and now he, he they sold it for a billion dollars, you know. Wow. He's still my buddy though. Uh, I mean, it's like it's the best hot dog and beef sandwich. I always get the hot dog and we get a beef. We each get a hot dog and then we get a beef and split it in half. But I don't think the best hot dog I ever had was at Super Dogs in Chicago. Remember Super Dogs? The roller oh, yeah. We rode them out. We, every, whenever I'm in town, we ride the motorcycles up there. Oh, my God. So, Freddie, you go in there, and they give it to you in a box. And their fries are the little, like, the fries got the ridges on them. And they're thicker, like the size of your finger, and they get the ridges. Yeah, yeah. So they put the, they put the, the, the. Chris, children. where are you from? They, I'm from uh, Orange County. I've yeah. pretty much lived here my whole life. I think I was born in LA, moved to San Diego and Carlsbad area until no I was like four. Yeah. And then uh, lived in Orange County since outside of uh, a few stints back East for, for college. So yeah, I used to be involved with motocross and Carlsbad was where they did the USGP. Oh, wow. And my buddies, they moved there. They started that company life's a beach, bad boy club. And, and spy sunglasses and um, prana. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, I love Carl's. I mean, I was little, but we used to go back there for a long time. Um, and we were actually just talking. I have a 11 month old now, and uh, we got this little like toy contraption where you put some balls at the top and they spin around and they come out. And she just stares at it. And I was talking to my dad. I was like, that reminds me of the Carlsbad Mall. They had this uh clock right in the middle of it and it was all driven by billiard balls so it's kind of like one of those you know once you got it going perpetual motion it would just keep going so like the ball would go up to the top it would drop down kind of like uh the game um uh mousetrap so you would set it off and this little thing would go down and that thing would go up and do all this stuff and it would turn a gear and the gear would turn the minute hand and everything and I just remember as a kid, like staring at it, just watching that thing go for like 10 yeah. minutes and dad be like, all right, let's go. What we like, we yeah. remember as kids. Like. Yeah. So then when I saw her staring at it, it just like clicked into my head. And um, I mean, I think that, and then um, just, I, I remember like running around 
our neighborhood as a kid. I mean, again, I was two, three, maybe four years old at the time. probably wasn't much there then. No, I think the mall was the big thing. And then um, it's now called Sprouts. But there, uh, way back in the day, the family used to have a spot called Boney's. And it's set up just like Sprouts. But over by the butcher where we'd get meat, they had a huge buffalo. And it was up on the wall. And I'd always have my dad pick me up and I'd pick its nose. <laughs> it's a beautiful area now, Carlsbad. They really made that road in front of the ocean. Oh, it's my favorite yeah. place. My favorite place in all of Los, I mean, all of El, uh, California. I love Carlsbad. And there's a yeah. good, uh, I don't know what, what, what you would call it or where you'd call it, but there's a little strip. It kind of seems like kind of a historic downtown-ish area that's just like three or four breweries, restaurants, mixed shops kind of thing. We, I went down there uh, for a friend's bachelor party and uh, Mother Earth Brewing is over there and uh, a few other stops. And it was just, it, I love san diego in general it's just i don't know it has a good feeling have you ever it's, lived in la i did for about a year i lived in silver lake yeah we started that's when we started the podcast we do it yep. over at my office in hollywood and we were actually filming that it was great i mean we tried so many different ways and then oh, it, yeah. got, it, it got to be uh, too much work this is like perfect with zoom it's so easy you can have a nice chat with you and yep whoever you have on the show we've been getting more and more like people it seems like our you know we get some great people on the show we had with uh shag bag i mean we literally got over four thousand hits on her channel and then ours is jumping and so um yeah we're back at it after if we would have kept it going we would have been probably you know making some money here but uh <laughs> but we're not doing it for that we're doing it for the love yeah. of just chatting and having good things and so we talk about the mob stuff we talk about breweries and liquor and fashion and tech you know to whatever sort of on the top of mind for us well the mob stuff was it was very exciting lifestyle very hard to get away from because the money and everything was exciting but but that lifestyle is jail's institution and death and let's face it we're not honest people if we're in the mobsters you know yeah we're not and you know i would stab you in the back eventually if you know yeah. Because that's just how the kind of guy I was back then, a taker, you know. And I don't want to be that guy anymore. And same with drugs and alcohol. It's jails, institution, and death if you have an addictive personality like me. so. But that mob life, it's alluring, you know. It's, even with Wyland, was, it was hard with him because he would be singing the 20,000 people. And I knew spiritually he was very ill, you know. Yeah. And here everyone's putting him on a pedestal. And, yeah. It was hard to be around, you know? Yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. How's he doing? He's dead. Is he? Yeah, he Oh, died. he is dead. I, Jesus. Yeah. He, the weird thing is, he died, like, his last drink was in my, where I grew up around Elmhurst, Illinois, at a bar. That's, like, shit, that's right. I did, I, I forgot that he did pass away, now that yeah. I think about it. I used to have people always tell me I look like Scott Weiland. Yeah, I could see that. I always get that from people, you know? He did. Wow. Yeah, he did. That's a shame. I wound up uh, hanging out. I was at, uh, I'll end it with this story. I was in Coachella and I told everybody in a meeting place and I was the only guy that didn't show up and I lost everybody. And I'm now I'm walking around, the cars are gone. And next thing you know, I'm walking back in saying, and there's guys coming out with his guitar on his shoulder. And it's like, is anybody back in there? And he's like, nah, nah. And I go, shit, I lost everybody. He says, ah, come on back with me. I'm going to go to the bus. And he's like, 
yeah, all right, I'll go back. And turns out he was with, um, oh, geez, what's the guy? So now I'm throwing a blank on the band. But uh, he's an L.A. guy, and he's married to a beautiful Chinese girl, and he's been doing it for years. Harry Farrell? Yeah. There yeah. you go. That's was good. It? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Perry <laughs> Farrell. Yeah. And I went, uh, and I'm, next thing I know, I'm hanging out with Perry Farrell, and the whole thing, they had four buses like this, lights, and they had a soccer thing going on in the middle of it. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and just sitting back, I went in the guy's bus. He's showing me all the photography, the photographer and director that you know shot everything. It was I had the best time. Everybody was so nice. I had the greatest. Yeah, time. I love that. I love that part of the rock and roll world. Like, I just like the backstage fun of it all. And yeah, yeah. Music's a great high, though. That's why I was in the music at all, always because music's yeah. the best natural high in the world to me. You know. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. I miss that. You know, I miss. Trust yeah, me, I, I miss I miss live events so much. I yeah. I've been uh, YouTubing concerts and live perform. You know, anything I can get just to watch it. Just because. When do you think you'll be back? Are you guys doing anything yet? Nothing yet for us. I mean, um, some of the venues back east, I think, are starting to open up with limited capacities and and stuff. California, unfortunately, is just so far behind where we have stuff booked for like march and april uh like national tours so hopefully by then we're we're back and there's no setbacks for it hopefully for live nation i don't book i do um the premium seating for them so at our venue downstairs all standing room got the pit you know that's where everyone's going crazy and yeah. then upstairs, we got a balcony, private club, seated uh, area, you know, private bathrooms, all that. So it's nice for um, like, that's why like our, our, my specialty, like I love when the old school punk bands come through one, because I like I the do. music, uh, you know, bad religions come through. Um, I'm an have... old school punker, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I like, with, I, I, I uh, went with out with the Sex Pistols when they. Wow! Yeah, so not that, not not that. I'd say like old school, like LA. Yeah, SoCal punk bands. Adolescents and. Yeah, we haven't had the. We were who were we uh, we were supposed to have Casualties come through, Mm -hmm. um, and then you know that tour was coming up. I think it was last April they were supposed to come through. TSOL um, was a lot of fun. TSOL comes through. We have yeah, them. Jack lives out in Orange County. We have them. I think they're booked again or, or pending to be booked for 2021, early 2021. Um, Lag Wagon, you know, kind of that pop punk, surfer punk stuff. But it's all stuff that was big in the, the 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s, because like I'm going to be 35. So when, when that stuff was big, I was in high school, junior high. Here I am in my 30s. I have money to spend. And they love going to it, but they don't want to be in the pit with all the young kids yeah, kicking, yeah. punching, crowd surfing. They just want to see their favorite band, have some drinks, hang out. And we have this great lounge up top. Oh, that's uh, what I would And everything. Like. Yeah. It, it's, and it's like, as don't get me wrong, I love being in the pit and all that, but it's like, I got to get up and go to work the next day. I don't need to be like, limping into work or a black eye you know going in because i was uh in the middle of the pit 
you know, in Chicago, we had O'Banions, and O'Banions was more of a pogoing club, right? Mm-hmm. In the late 70s, and it, it was in a crazy part of town. Steve, that part of town back then was nuts. Yeah, Wayne, what, area was what area was O'Banions? It was um, Erie, and um, Erie, Clark and Erie uh-huh. in the corner. Uh-oh, look who just jumped on. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's not up? I know that guy. What's up, bitches? What's up? <laughs> Surprise up, guest. Bitches? We like to do uh, that every so often. What a miracle. I know, right? <laughs> they were yeah, all still alive to begin with. Yeah, a bunch oh, of old man. guys with a, with a sharp uh, young dude who's, uh, you know, coaching us through here. I'm <laughs> just here to, to help our demograph. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Bring down the average age. <laughs> now we're in What's our happening? 40s, Jonathan. <laughs> What's happening? That's so good. <laughs> I, you know, I texted him, Scotty, and said, hey, you know, you're bragging about him. He was, you know, interviewed you back. We were talking about uh, at, um, not the China Club, but uh, Limelight. Limelight. Oh, God. Talk about I was just talking about Limelight yesterday. Um, I forgot who I was talking to. And they were like, oh, it was, we were going to buy this place. It was called the Castle. Said, no, it wasn't the Castle. It was uh, the Chicago Historical Society. Oh, they were referring to it as Excalibur. Oh, yeah. Said, oh, yeah, it was Limelight. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, it turned into a shitty Excalibur. That was a shit. Yeah, they really shitted it up, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, how many times did you guys get laid at uh, Limelight? A lot. <laughs> right? <laughs> Upstairs. My favorite story is that opening night, I sat next to Andy Warhol for exactly 15 minutes. I didn't say a word to him. I got up and walked away. <laughs> I loved him. I used to hang with him a lot in New York. You did? Really? Yeah. And he, would, you know, he, was, he would sit there. With, he would have these interview magazines, right? A big stack. And he would just yeah, yeah. autograph them to you, to people, right? And I oh, got yeah. a couple... And I gave him like his gifts or whatever. And then I like, holy fuck, I wish I would have kept one of those. You know what I mean? They're worth like yeah. 20 grand now. Yeah. Um, <coughs> my favorite, one of my favorite stories is I had a, a DJ that worked for me in Milwaukee came to visit me in Chicago and I took him to Limelight and we were doing blow in the bathroom upstairs at VIP and some Billy Idol undercover motherfucker puts his head over, over the stall in, in the men's room. And we're we're both shoveling at the time, and he's like, uh, I'm, "You guys come out, come out of the bathroom right now!" And I go, "Who the fuck are you?" And he flips his badge like over the top of the urinal thing. <laughs> I had all kinds of shit in my pockets, and we're going over the railing. I'm throwing these coke cards and joints and quaaludes. Do we get to the front door and hustle Russell's at the front and says, "Johnny, you got a problem?" I said. Yeah, this Billy Idol motherfucker wants to arrest me for doing blow in the bathroom. And Russell looks at the cop and he says, don't you know who he is? Uh, and he nice. goes, no. And he says, I didn't know who I was. And so he, <laughs> said, he says, Johnny, go back, go back in, go back in. And oh. the cop came back upstairs to VIP and apologized to me. <laughs> nice. I was like, that's, wow. that's how good Hustle Russell was. You know, we were just talking about him. He's in Ojai now, running. Edelstein. That's what I was. That's what I was telling Scope. Wasn't I telling you that, Scope? Yeah, yeah. Duty's up there. Russell's up there. Stephen Edelson. I guess Stephen Edelson was the, the pivot. The, the guy that started up there. Yeah. Or maybe it was. Maybe it was Duty. I don't know. No, it was Steve. Scope. That Steve. that reminds me of uh, my 21st birthday in the Berg, because we had been going to the cellar for so long. Like everyone just knew knew me there. 
So, you know, on my 21st birthday, the day, you know, day before, we're partying in the, the hockey house. Yeah. And then uh, we head over to the cella. And, you know, midnight comes and the bartenders are all giving me shots because it's my 21st birthday. And <laughs> it's so I'm just. cellar in New York? No, it's a, a bar and club in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Oh. It was the, the local hangout of the hockey team. Oh, it was great. This and, uh, you know, so, you know, we're, we're, I'm taking shots from the bartenders that are all giving me shots. All The guys on the team are giving me shots. They also work the door. So they also, like, you know, we'd go into the back into the um, liquor cabinet and pull rips from bottles in the back so we didn't have to buy them all at the bar. And I'm shithouse, so I go outside and I'm just puking everywhere. The cop that was there working is also the same cop that would work the hockey games. Yeah. So well, he's yeah. looking at me. There's a bunch of cops on the bar. Yeah. So he's looking at me and he's like, you okay? And I'm like, I'm good. Walked right back into the bar and started talking, you know, getting more shots handed to me from the bartenders. <laughs> there, it was just like... The, the captain had the key. Yeah. My son was the captain. He had a key to the refrigerator. It was locked. <laughs> And then they, he got three beers and a dollar shots. These kids would go home. Saturday, they never won on a Saturday. Yeah. Scotty, if I can figure, yeah, Scotty, is, is, your, is your brother Todd still still with us? Yeah, he's in uh, he's in Orlando, and he's um, one of the number one pool designers there. He was with Barrington Pools, but him and his family wanted to go somewhere warmer, so they went to Orlando about a, two years ago winter park and he's like killing it because with covid everybody wants a pool now and he, oh. he's like i'm charging just to go meet with people to talk about designs you know you know one of the times i read what was the name of what was the name of your club uh avalon avalon i remember one interview i did um what was the guy he had the mohawk of uh, a flock of seagulls flock oh of yeah seagulls. mike from flock of seagulls right right that was funny Oh man, we had some times, you know. There was you guys had that corner, there. and around the corner was the Vic. Uh, yeah, we'd go to see Guar. It was a Berlin, Medusa's, the Vic, and me. It was like one time yeah. I saw. I would stand at the door a lot because I just like being outside <laughs> on the street there. Yeah, and with my zoot suit and shit. But one time there was like two hundred kids, and they had a fight. Like it was like Quadrophenia, right? And they were fighting. I don't know about what. I don't know if it was the skinhead kids were starting something. And, <laughs> yeah. and a cop car pulls up, and all of a sudden he realizes he's surrounded by 200 kids, and he's got his lights on. <laughs> he takes off. And I'm like, man, I'm like watching Quadrophini or something here. It was oh, yeah. And Ann Sather's. Uh, I oh. lived across the street for a while, right across from Cross Currents. Oh, man. Ann Sather's. And Sather's, those fuck, those the, Danish. That stuff. whole that whole street there, you could eat at every nationality oh. restaurant. Ethiopian was there. You had like sushi places, Korean, like every single type of food for like ten. How many years did you have? How many years did you have the bar? Four or five? Me ten. Oh. Ten years at Avalon. Yeah. What a great run! Ten years in the bar 86 business. Eighty-six to ninety-six. Yeah. You know, I, I come across those pictures once in a while. I'll come across a picture from, you know, I came across one today from, you know, and, it, and I didn't think it was that long ago. It was 1999, um, and it was out here. It was with Joe Montana and um, 
and it was the opening of the Rat Pack night um, at the Desert Inn, which there's no more Desert Inn, uh, with Bobby Caldwell and David Cassidy, who's no longer oh, with wow. us as well. Yeah, David's so, but, son is a good friend of mine, Bo. Oh yeah, so so you had Avalon from what eighty six to ninety six? Yeah. Yeah, so I was still living in Chicago. Obviously, I was, but I was coming to Vegas a lot in '99, and then I moved out here in 2006. So I've been out I here moved for 14 to LA years. LA in '94, but I yeah, still, you moved out before I did. Yeah, we still had um, you know, Roger Jansen bought it from me, but I was still the owner. I don't remember him? Yeah, I don't remember I, him. I moved out in '91. Yeah. But it was quite the hangout. Avalon was a lot of fun. <coughs> I'm sure I got Avalon, out of there, too. <laughs> Avalon was great. Avalon was like, you know. Okay, what's your favorite limelight story? Me? Oh, yeah. Anybody. Anybody. I told it to you, Jonathan. Remember at the anniversary? I just told these guys about when they asked me to sing at Kool-Aid. <laughs> at Kool-Aid. And I wrote the lyrics down in red marker, and I went up on the, on the um, stage in a red light, shine on the my lyric paper and it, it went blank and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, one, two, three, hit it. And I'm like, get up, uh, get on the scene. You know, like the sex machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a man's world. I, I, I met um, James Brown at FX 1100. And it was just after he was arrested for beating up his wife and a Chicago paddy wagon pulled up. It was probably like three or four in the morning. I said, Mr. Brown, your limo's here. <laughs> Chicago, we're all poked up out of our I minds. met him when I was hitting a bottom in New York for the new music seminar. He was yeah. a speaker with Joe Shanahan and a couple other people. And um, he was on stage, you know, and Shanahan was there and they had yeah. uh, him. And he was, I was freaking out. I was losing my mind. I had just got let out of a jail to catch my plane and I was trying <laughs> to let out a life and I went oh. right to New York because they called the airlines they said uh I said yeah I'm supposed to be on a flight to New York and they called and they said oh shit he is let him out and they let me out it was you like, know like I totally missed the the years that you were on the, what was it called million dollar million broker? dollar listing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. how many that years what year, what year did you do that the first year they did it uh I was season one episode one so I didn't know it was going to be a big hit. I didn't even dress up for the damn thing. <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, it might make it on TV. It might not. You know, yeah. Jonathan, I just mentioned what we were doing with the kids and everything and on school learning, you know, the whole bit, uh, online yeah. school. And he said he'd love to hear more about it. So yeah, I like basketball. You know, I'm a big basketball fan. Oh, are you? Huge. Yeah. You know, George, Michael Jordan's guy and all that. Yeah, yeah. But I used to hoop. I ran the gym in Chicago, and I, you know, I played every day for a long time. Well, N NBA Summer League is who really started me teaching. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I was working. I was, I was just really just wrangling talent for NBA Summer League to do the national anthem and, and do the, the tip-offs. And 2019, they, they asked me if I would consider teaching broadcasting to this Desert Pines High School, which was an at-risk school. And so I said, sure, you know, and, uh, and they paid me uh, to do it. They gave me 10 grand to do it. And I had no curriculum. I just went in and said, uh, all you kids in broadcasting, who here wants to be in front of the camera or on the microphone? <laughs> I knew they all did. <laughs> they wouldn't be a broadcasting class. I said, well, the first thing I could tell you, is, and I'm going to say this over and over, 
So it's not about me and it's not about you. It's not about your guests. It's about your audience. If you don't have an audience, you may as well be having a cup of coffee or a beer with a friend. And from there, I took them down to the radio station and put them on the air, put them on the air live. Oh, nice. I said, now what, now what do you want to talk about? <laughs> and they went, humana, 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 Ed Norton. That's and, great. Um, so then I taught them they had to be prepared. And then we had them calling play-by-play and color commentary on the actual summer league games. And they were real oh, games. Wow. We, had, we had all 30 teams and China and Croatia. And we had 150,000 people coming. And, you know, like anything else, the cream rises to the top. And, you know, one of these kids, I'm sure out of the 30, will go for a career in broadcasting. And then it progressed even more when um, COVID hit. I was supposed to start at another technical school. And I had this epiphany, and you know how painful that could be, about who's, who's teaching <laughs> no pain, the teachers. No gain. No pain, no gain. <laughs> who's teaching the teachers? How can you expect teachers that have been in front of a live classroom for all their career yeah. to yeah. know how to do this? And yeah. so um, I reached out to Clark County Education Association and got their endorsement from the um, executive director, and we produced a pilot at, at uh, Las Vegas PBS Public Broadcasting. And they emailed it out to all 19,000 teachers in Clark County, which is the fifth largest school district in the United States. And the schools are still shut down here. Um, although they're making progress here in, in Las Vegas with opening things up a little bit. Um, but, you know, we've done, we've done our pilot on PBS. PBS wants to give us a um, 13, 13 week series, uh, half hour on engagement and teaching broadcasting. So I'm still on the air, I'm on tomorrow. And it'll be about education tomorrow and about engagement. And then Scope and I main, started teaming up. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not. I, I was just brought on as executive producer of a new television studio in North Las Vegas. So no. I've got a half a dozen shows that I'm producing right now, right right now. And we did one with the making of a choir, which was just great. Oh, I it was, saw uh, it. Oh, did you watch it? I watched it. Freddie, you should go on to Jonathan Scott's personal page and yep. the making of the choir and this this teacher is oh my god these kids are amazing i mean that needs to be something needs i'm i'm down for helping you any way i can with that and scotty you should see it because it's amazing and you love music and you love it like look i mean scotty how many kids you got you got two daughters yeah they're beautiful you got a beautiful family dude Freddie, we just saw his daughter two one years old almost so she just brought the demographics down I, so I'm, you know, I'm working on it. Probably about 24 to 30 for at least well, a minute. You had your surprise guest and I had my surprise guest. You know, <laughs> um, you know, Scott Weiland was in the choir at no, I was in high school, Huntington wow. Beach High School. Wow. That is, that's crazy. Scotty, are you in, still in 90210? I'm, uh, I'm now in, uh, I just bought a house in Palm Desert. So I have oh. a, one here and Camarillo, which is by Malibu, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to be in Palm Desert a lot. I'm a little closer to Vegas. I can, did you ever do boxing stuff? I'm hooked up big time with boxers there. Uh, we have, you know, I, I have in the past um, um, with Tyson and Holyfield and Larry Holmes. Um, uh, but, you know, only, you know, I, I we have a little uh, boxing ring here. Uh, Joe, uh, the, Toka, T-O-C-C-A on Charleston and Main Street. And, and the instructor, Louis Mondo, is a great guest. So whenever there's a big fight, I'll have him on the air. And he's very passionate. And he mm -hmm. takes kids, like, you know, take any kid off the street that wants to learn boxing. 
It's not about the money for him. He's real passionate about boxing. Yeah, we, we've done live remotes from there too. We hired um Hasim Rockman. It's called mm-hmm. Prince Ranch Boxing. Bones Adams kind of runs it, but Hasim, he has some kids too that are boxers. And but I, you know, we just had a guy win last week on uh, ESP or Fox Sports One, and he <laughs> beat like another undefeated guy that he was supposed to lose to. So they're really hot on this guy, Victor. Yeah. Yeah, so that's great. I, I miss the heavyweights. I, you know, I used to. <laughs> I love the heavyweights. Boxing. Yeah, I love the heavyweights. You know, and haven't had a good one for a while. So, uh, you know, hopefully everything will come back. They just changed the law here that you know they can open, and the big stadiums can open, but they can have ten percent of like Raider Stadium holds sixty-five thousand people, so they can have ten percent sixty-five hundred people, but they have to be in pods of two hundred and fifty and six feet apart. So, huh. you know, it, it's still a little effed up, uh, but yeah. we're, getting, we're getting closer. I mean, you know, when people oh. stop dying, you know, it'll get we back. We need but, a vaccine or something, you know? I mean, at least uh, we can have shows again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. Be, that, that would be great. I mean, we I had a comedian jump out and meet uh, Jonathan yesterday, uh, Willie Bar- Barcina. He's pretty funny. So. You know, I... I, this kid that was with him, Quinn, I, you know, I had dinner with my friend Dennis Blair and his wife Peggy last night, and he said this kid Quinn that was with uh, Willie is really good. good. And then I looked up Quinn with two N's, and um, Dennis Blair knew him. Dennis uh, opened for George Carlin for 11 years. So he wow. knew this other kid, Quinn. He didn't, he didn't know Willie, but he knew Quinn. Yeah. And he said Quinn, Quinn's a really good stand-up. So I was going to tell you that today anyway, even if we didn't. Yeah, no, I'm going to hit up Matt Spain, the producer, and that too. Well, hey, guys, I got to fly. I'm like two hours to get to <laughs> late to a birthday. Hey, everyone, welcome back. What a great show, huh, Freddie? Oh, man. Like I, I was saying before, I mean, I, that, that was a fun interview. I mean, I, I think I just wanted, I wanted to be a fan. I just wanted to sit back and, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, Scotty's, you know, stories are, are pretty remarkable and crazy and, and, something I could never fathom because I never lived that lifestyle. So I'm just like in awe of it. And then uh, with him and uh, Jonathan Scott, just going back and forth, it was just like, I just want to be, I'm like a fly on the wall, just, you know, watching a, a, you know, nice candid conversation between two Chicagoans and then yourself and everything. It it was, it was fun. I I really enjoyed it. I'm really, really super happy about it. It's um, um, he's just the stories. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the one good thing about getting a little bit older is that you do have more stories. And if you really live life, you're going to have, I, I tell people my background and where I've been and things like that. And they're like, what? I was yeah. I just even the area I was in Chicago and, and uh, uh, where we were at with the Netflix gig, it was crazy. Um, I, my first job was at the federal courthouse, not, not federal, but it was the city courthouse down the street. And I was a bodyguard for Judge Sylvester C. Close. And it, it was, uh, you know, the area was just terrible. But now the whole city has changed. And it's just yeah. wonderful to see. And to have somebody like Scotty, who was such a staple in the club scene and, and party scene. And, and, and just, I, I remember seeing the Smashing Pumpkins at his place. Like, right. like we talk about. And it's just wonderful. That's so crazy. And I, I saw them uh, last fall. I saw them in the mm-hmm. fall. Uh, they played here at the uh, the outdoor amphitheater, and I mean, I I've listened to their music, but it wasn't like um, you know a a band that I kept up with. And 
Right. We put on a heck of a show. It was a, a great time. I mean, we talked about it there. I mean, I just, I love live music. I love going to, you know, live events, sporting, concerts, comedy, whatever it is. And um, I can only imagine, like, I, I, I think of that often about what it would be like to go see, you know, some of these uh, historic bands, you know, in their like club days, um, which when things open up again, I mean, I'm sure there's some bands and acts that come through that 10, 20 years from now will be game changers that I'll be like, oh yeah, I saw them on like a Tuesday night, yeah. you know, to, to 600 people. And, you know, now they're, you know, front and center on uh, the billboard. So yeah, yeah. Um, changing here. I keep on going bright and light and <laughs> <laughs> trying to get my fucking face lit. And I was like, damn, Freddie's hasn't gotten all the lighting on him. What the hell? It's my uh, my professional tiki studio. What can I say? Yeah, right. I know. I switched it up today to the uh, just in the Judy's gone, and I just said, oh, screw it. I'm going to sit in the kitchen here at the yeah. counter." But, but yeah, so good stuff, dude. So I'm, um, you know, we're, I'm I'm just super excited. I hope everybody's having fun when they listen to our show. And it's, it's I was listening to it the other day on the radio while I was in the truck, and it was fun. So um, I hope uh, anybody out there that's paying attention to us, uh, I hope you just enjoy our chats and uh yeah. you know and push it out there for us we appreciate it yeah absolutely uh well scope i know uh you're a busy man these days with all your projects and everything so we'll keep this short for uh for you and our listeners here but um you know obviously uh next week we got uh we got a good one we got a good one we've hinted at it now we got mm-hmm. the full episode of jeff the 420 chef yeah, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. Uh, his own episode and uh, special guests on that episode too. Nice. Don't yeah. tell him. Let him find oh, out. You'll find out. Stay tuned. So uh, next Monday, come back, same channel, and uh, you know, listen to uh, another good one. Hi, hi, Freddie. Good seeing awesome. you again. All right, I'll talk you to you too, tomorrow. Bye, right, man. Later. Awesome. Am I supposed to say Scopefield's Flowers? Welcome back to Scopefield's Flowers. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Freddie. Hey, Freddie, how you doing today? I'm welcome. I'm welcome. I like that, Looking good. You guys all got hats on. I, I should put mine. Yeah, yeah, and we just have fun on the show, you know? Cool. Sorry, Scope. Not triple not X like you wished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, XXE, XX Entertainment, baby. I'm actually getting rid of this bed, Freddie. I'm putting in a couch, you know. We lived in the 80s. That's when it was good. Dick the Bruiser talking about Coke and all kinds of shit. I forgot we were recording.